Hello, Sawona, how's it? Molo, Jumbo, and welcome to Every Nation Devon Podcast. We hope this message will inspire you and draw you closer to Christ. Enjoy. Morning, 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 everyone. Everyone good this morning? Everyone awake? Praise God. Look at somebody this morning and say hello. Does somebody maybe you haven't seen behind you, next to you? Make them feel welcome this morning. This is our house. Um, yeah, come on. So, uh, wonderful to be in the house of the Lord this morning and to sing praises and to worship Him and to see you all here. Well done for making it. I bet there were some of you who got up this morning and said, Oh Lord, it's raining and it's cold. <laughs> um, but that's cleared up. Hey, come on. Uh, so we this morning are starting our new series called Eternity Matters. Yeah, I've been uh, really excited about this new series, and um, and re- we've we've been planning it since last year. And I've been reading so many books and listening to so many uh, messages and theology around this topic and stuff. So I feel very very full, and I feel very happy to finally start preaching the series. I feel like if I don't start preaching now, I'm going to explode. You know, I'm just like too much already. Um, and really, this uh, that's that's the thing about this topic. This topic is huge. And it's big, and it's mind-bending, and it's like, it's like, wow, you know? It's just so amazing to look at it. There's so many angles to look at it. And we've given ourselves seven weeks. Can you say seven weeks? Seven. Only, only. Can you believe it? I mean, we could literally take 52 weeks and do this topic. But we're going to take the next seven weeks, and we're going to journey on this topic. And I just can't tell you how excited I am. This, this is like, it's like the message, people. It is like, if we can allow this word just to wash over us, and I'm going to bomb you today. You're going to see lots of scripture coming your way. I hope you're ready. Blessed are the people who have notebooks and pens, who are diligently seeking the Lord, that you don't get lust or whatever, because you're going to need to take some of this home. You're going to need to take some of it home and meditate on it and think about it. And I can just say, you know, if you could just let this word wash over you, it's going to transform your life. It will change everything. It'll change, it'll change the way you look at yourself, the world, how you spend your time, everything. Uh, this, this is such a life-changing message, and I don't want you to miss out. So uh, have something inside of you that says, okay, I'm going, I'm going to go for the word. Lord, do what you're going to do. Can you say this with me? Lord, Lord do what you're going to do. I'm ready. I'm awake. I'm attentive. I'm diligent. And you reward those who diligently seek you. Amen. So this is a banner we want to lift over the city. Okay, we, we're, we're putting out flyers, 15,000 flyers all over the Berea uh, with this message, Eternity Matters. Uh, we, we're putting it out on Facebook. We're putting it out everywhere. We've even printed some flyers for you guys to take home and start dishing out to your friends and family. Maybe you want to start knocking on doors and giving it to people, inviting them to church. Listen, I want you to get involved, okay? Get involved in the moment. Get involved in what God is going to do. If ever there's a life-changing message, this is the message. Eternity matters. Eternity really matters. So we want to lift it out. So in the, in the connect zone after church, go grab 20 flyers. Go grab 30 flyers. Go grab 50 flyers. Go and, and, and flood your road, your street, your building that you live in. And you never know that if you put that fly in somebody's hand, man, 
everything could be different in their life. Everything could change in their life because of that. So, so join us, please, as we flood the city with the slogan, Eternity, Eternity Matters. Amen. So eternity is actually a biblical concept, okay? In fact, when you, you know, the, the Bible's amazing. When, when, you, 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 when you put on different lenses and you look at the Bible, you, you see everywhere. I mean, if you just put on the lens of Jesus and you look at the Bible, you just suddenly see Jesus from Genesis all the way through, you know? If you put on the lens of the, the shades, all right, the sunglasses of eternity, and you start to look at Scripture from beginning to end, you see that eternity is... It's, it's everywhere. It's, you know, it's the Old Testament, it's the prophets, it's Jesus, it's the apostles, it's everybody's talking about it. It's, that's the reason why Jesus came, so that we could enter into eternity. I mean, it's like, you know, it's a, it's a major theme that runs throughout the Bible. And we are introduced to God in Scripture, and God is called an eternal Father in Isaiah 9 and verse 6. He's called an eternal father or an eternal God. And often in scripture, he's described as being from everlasting to everlasting. Can you just ponder that for a moment? Like, you know, sometimes everlasting to everlasting, eternal father. We just throw these words around. But just think about what that means for a moment. He's an eternal father. He's got no beginning. He's got no end. He's the one who decided when it would all start and when it will all end. We call him the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end. When you're the beginning and the end all together, you everything. You've got it all, okay? Um, eternal Father, no starting point, just always there, always existent. God never runs out of energy. Can you imagine what it would be like to never get tired? How many of you got tired in the last week? Oh, Lord. You hit your bed and you just... You were gone. And then the alarm clock went off at like 4 a.m. Because you get up at 4 a.m., right? Amen, church, to study the word. And you were like, oh, Jesus, just hold, let me hold on to this pillow for a little moment longer. He never gets tired. The Bible says that he never sleeps nor slumbers. Eternal. Like just boom. You know, like always enough energy. Always enough to do everything that he wants to do. Not only does it say that he is eternal... But in Isaiah 57, it says this. It says that, For thus says the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity, whose name is holy. So not only is he eternal, but he inhabits eternity. In other words, eternity is a place. It's the place where God is. It's his street address. 103 Eternity Drive, you know. Eternal city, eternal country, eternal... That's, he lives in this place called eternity. And it's like so hard for our minds just to, to get around these concepts because we live in a world where nothing lasts, man. You know, our bodies aren't lasting, our homes don't last, our cars don't last, our gardens don't last, our clothes don't last. Nothing is lasting here. You know, the, imagine, imagine taking a bite of an apple... And leaving it on the table and coming back 10 years later and it's still okay. That would be cool, eh? But that, that's, that's, that would be an eternal apple right there, you know? <laughs> 
You know, I, well, maybe actually when you took a bite, maybe it would regenerate and the bite would like full, you know, it would never, I don't know, I don't know. But it's like, this is what it does to our brains when we start thinking about eternity and this place called eternity. A place with no decay, no corruption, no, um, nothing wearing out, um, never getting tired. I mean, so, so this is, so God is an eternal God and he's, and he lives in this place called eternity and the Bible teaches us that we, too, are eternal creatures. It says in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 11. Can we read it together this morning? Because it's so, so powerful. Are you there? He has made everything beautiful in its time. He has set eternity in the human heart. What does that mean? It's like... It's like God, eternal, never ending, in the place called eternity, has taken some of that, whatever that is, okay, and he's put it into the human heart. It's like you have a seed of eternity living within you. You, And what that means is you have this divinely, because it's God implanted, sense that this life is not all that is. There's something inside of you that calls out to eternity. There's a part of you that knows you were designed for eternity. There's a part of you that longs for eternity, that even seeks eternity, and it's in your heart. God has put it in your heart so that you would know that this is not all that it is. That the world is not all just passing away, but there is something more solid hereafter. That there is, in a world that's temporary, there's something that's eternal, something that does last. And it's in you. You can't, you can't even argue against this thing. I mean, how many of you notice that if you go study history, and I'm, I, I love history, go look at every culture around the world, what do you find? It unites us. No matter what the color of our skin is, no matter what continent we are, this thing unites us. It's the belief in a life eternal. There's a belief that, that this physical life that we have, when it expires, that we somehow go on in some particular way or other. And it differs, but I mean, if you go look from, from I mean, what are the pyramids? Look at the pyramids. Well, the pyramids are not just monuments to pharaohs. The pyramids are elaborate structures to transport pharaohs into the eternal life. You know, the Aztecs, the Romans, the Greeks, the Babylonians, the, the Khoisans. The, there's always this, this afterlife. There is this eternal part that is always, it's outplayed in culture, in monuments, in, in statues. It's outplayed in so many different ways. Why? Because God has put it in our hearts. And we seek for it, and we look for it, and we long for it. We desire it. Eternity and death are opposites. Like you have day and night, you know, the, the light and darkness, there's, they're complete opposites. They cannot coexist. And if it says that God has put eternity in your heart, it means that there, He's put something in you that wards against death. He's put something in you that repels death that doesn't want death because there's something inside of you is like a light inside of you that when the darkness of death comes, it, 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 it brushes it away. It says, no, it cannot be. There must be something else. There must be a way. And so every culture is looking for 
life. Eternal life because God has planted it in our hearts. He's put it in there so that we would seek for Him. He's put it in there so that we would look for Him, that we would look for that way. Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I'm what you're looking for. I'm the answer to the divine seed that's been placed inside of you. I was amazed. I was in, I was in a doctor's waiting room just, just the, like the other day. And um, I picked up, you know, sometimes I have these interesting books, you know, like these, I don't know, coffee table books and stuff. And there was this one book of art. So I quite enjoy art. So I picked this big, colorful, amazing, probably very expensive book. And I started flipping through, you know, all these Renaissance paintings and everything. And there was a painting in there that really caught my attention. It was the fountain, it was entitled The Fountain of Youth. That's what it was. And it was a painting of a whole lot of people who were old and decrepit, and they were making their way into this pool, climbing into this pool, and then they were coming out on the other side of the pool, all young, refreshed, and, and vibrant, full of life. And then I, I started to read it, and I, I, I couldn't show you the picture this morning because it's a Renaissance picture. So there's a little too much body in there. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Do you know what I'm talking about? So I thought, okay, it's not really a church picture, okay? But <laughs> I'm not sure you want to see that on a Sunday morning, you know? A little too much going on there. But anyway, I went and I, I looked up this, this, this fable of the, the fountain of youth, and I found that this is actually like a fable that exists in multiple cultures around the world. Not just wine culture. For thousands of years, people have believed that there would be a pool of water that if you drink from it, you would live forever. It would renew your youth. So much so that in the 16th century, there was this guy called Jean Pomise de Lyon. <laughs> well, don't clap yet. Ask the Congolese this morning whether that was right, okay? But uh, I think I nailed it, all right? I was hitting Google. How do you pronounce that word? Pomise. Okay, got it. <laughs> Jean Pomise de Lyon, all right? And he, a Spanish conquistador in the 16th century, he actually sailed across to the New World Americas looking specifically for the fountain of youth. Can you imagine that? Crossing the ocean and all that, you know, in those days, they like, they didn't have much, you know, like those, those, those were wooden ships and stuff, you know, and sails and people died and I don't know, you know, and going across the ocean with the purpose of looking for that thing. That, why? Because eternity has been planted in our hearts. It's been planted, we seek it, we want it. You know, I look at this generation and its obsession with youth and looking young. Mm-hmm. Getting the right angle. Why? Because I want to, I've got to get rid of the wrinkles, man. You know, the, the right body posture. We're, it's like we're obsessed with it. We spend our youth obtaining wealth and our wealth trying to obtain youth. You know, why? Because eternity is in our hearts. We're longing for it. We're looking for it. And medical science has kind of pushed, like, you know, eternity, afterlife. It's like, it's not scientific, please, you know. <laughs> but you know, the thing about a sense is that you can try and argue it away, but it will pop up in some other way. <laughs> you know, if you're a very creative person and I make you an accountant, I bet that you're going to have, like, color-coded files 
You know, you, you're gonna, that creativity in you is gonna find a way to come out in, in some way, you know? Your desk is gonna have flowers on it or whatever, I don't know, but you know, you, you, you can't deny who you are and what's inside of you. And so, even though medical science has tried to deny, you know, eternal life and whatever, that eternity is still in our hearts. And so there's a major field in medical science today that's dedicated to what? Extending life. To, to, to uncovering the, the, the so-called fountain of youth again. And they get really excited when they get earthworms to double their lives because they gave them like these, these, these concoction of drugs so that like the earthworms lived like, you know, 20 days instead of 10 days. Woohoo! You know, this could be a breakthrough for us. Human beings could live for 160 years. You know, there's this, well, why? Why, why do we want to live longer? Why are we just so happy to just die when we when it's time? What is this big war that's going on? The Bible says that God has planted eternity in our hearts. We buried our great aunt last year, almost 90 years old, and she said this on her deathbed. She says, I'm not ready to die. I'm not ready to die yet. There's still so much she wanted to see. She wanted to see the birth of some more grandkids. She wanted to see just uh, our children growing up and getting married. There's still so much she wanted to, to do with her life at 90. She's not ready yet to die. Why? Because eternity has been planted in our hearts. We long for it. We seek for it. We desire it, man. And it's only, it's only in modern history that we've tried to really argue away this idea or this belief in eternity. It's actually a modern thing. Communism and naturalism and materialism and atheism and all the isms that are out there. You know, they, they all try to discredit this belief in an afterlife, call it a delusion, call it an illusion, whatever it is. They've tried to, you know, kind of push it away, but it always keeps popping up in other ways because <laughs> you can't seem to argue against it. You remember John Lennon's song, song, Imagine? Imagine there's no heaven, it's easy if you try. Imagine there's no hell, above us only sky. Imagine all the people living for today. (laughs) (laughs) It's only a recent thing. It's only a recent thing. That song did so much damage. You know, in, in modern history, we, just in the last hundred years or so, we have tried to argue this thing, eternity, out of, out of our lives. We've tried to take eternity and push it out, say it doesn't matter, it's an illusion, it's a whatever. And, 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 we, and then the problem with doing that is this, is that when we pushed out eternity, eternity is a package deal. It, it, contained in eternity is heaven, is hell, is justice, is mercy. Contained in eternity is hope. Uh, it's all, it's a tomorrow. So when we've, when we've tried to take eternity away from us as human beings, we, we, we've lost all hope for the future. And all we're left with is today, the moment. And we're living in a time where everybody is saying the moment is what matters. Today is what matters. 
We don't know if we have tomorrow. We don't know if we've got next year. So, so what do we do? We have to live just for today. We've taken heaven out. We've thrown it away. Heaven is like a, it's like, oh, it's an illusion, man. It's like, it's pie in the sky, you know? Even Christians, we're a little bit embarrassed about it. A little bit embarrassed about this heaven. And then don't get me started on hell. Hell is like, whoa, bro. Come on now. Are you serious? You're going to bring up hell in 2019. We've, we've, we've gotten past that. You know, it's like, you know, and Christians, we're embarrassed about hell, we're embarrassed about heaven, and, and this whole idea of justice as well, the judgment of God, that, that there will be a reckoning for our lives, that we will stand before a God one day, that we will answer to Him, that our entire life will be judged. You know, all of, all of that is like, it's been, it's been kind of, because the world has pushed eternity away, those things have gone as well. And let me just say this, the effect is drastic. The effect is drastic in the world out there, but it's also drastic in the church. A church that is not holding on to heaven and very happy to be escaping hell and looking forward to the justice of God is a church that has strayed so far from the truth of what Jesus taught and what the Bible teaches that I don't think we can call ourselves Christian anymore. Thank you for that amen. I appreciate that. Because it's true. Why? Because the the whole word is all about it. It's the whole reason Jesus was saying, the whole reason why he suffered on the cross was so that man could have this thing called eternal life, so that man could be rescued from a place called hell, so that we could stand before God one day and not in our own righteousness, but in the righteousness of God and prevail and live for eternity. It's like you take that out and listen, people, all we've got is a dead religion. Paul said this, he said, if, if, if heaven and hell weren't real and judgment isn't real, then, then we ought to be people who are most pitied. Most pitied. And we, we are most miserable and pitied people of all people. Why? Because why are you doing the things that you're doing anyway? So you know, if, 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 we do, if we die, if that's it, if that's the destiny of mankind, that we just go into the grave and we rot and that's it, then let us eat and drink for tomorrow we might be dead. Proverbs 29, 18 says this. It says, where there is no vision, people cast off restraint. Where there is no, in some versions say, where there's no prophetic vision or revelation, the people cast off restraint. What does that mean? That means like when there is not, nothing to aim for in life, when there's nothing in front of you, then there's no reason to restrain your life in any way because you're not aiming at anything. You know, if you've got a vision of getting a degree, then what you do is you restrain your life in some way. You don't go out and just do whatever you want to do. You make sure you go to lectures. You make sure you study in the evenings. Amen, students. Just it's February, and I've got to throw these things out, okay? <laughs> just got to put it out there, okay? Receive, receive. <laughs> You know, so, so you restrain yourself. Why? Because you've got a vision of standing one day in that gown with that hat on, getting a nice photo that makes you look young. Amen? That you can put up on your wall one day. Say, I did that, you know? So wherever, when you don't have that, you just live any old how. Not just any old how, you actually squander and waste your life. You start to throw your life away. 
When it talks about prophetic vision, it's not just talking about any vision there in that scripture. It's talking about prophetic vision or revelation. And what it actually is saying is where there is no under, divine understanding of who you are and what you call to do in this life, then you throw off all restraint. You just live any old how. And you know, we have a generation of young people buying that today because it's being pushed. This is what's been pushed to under this young generation. Today is what matters. Today is what matters. Live for the moment, man. And because there's no vision of what anything else to come, we plunge ourselves into hedonism and all sorts of other isms because, because, heck, we've only got today. But the Bible says you've got it tomorrow, man. You've got an eternity. You've got a life that reaches beyond this life. And because of that, we restrain ourselves. We live in a particular way now because there's a vision in front of us. And you see, I feel like the Christian church needs to gain this again. We need to like grab this thing, man, and like go, this is, this is it, man. This is it because even within the church, we have people wasting their lives. Why? Because there's no prophetic vision. There's no revelation of who I am and what God has called me to do and how what I do here impacts the life that's to come thereafter. And therefore, I just marry whoever I want to marry. I live wherever I want to live. I take whatever job I want to take. We live recklessly as Christians even, not just out there, but even within the church. Why? Because of no prophetic revelation. Where there's no revelation... People cast off restraints. How many of you are following the, the, the whole state capture thing at the moment? It's okay, you can raise your hand, it's fine. It's good to know what's going on in the news. <laughs> does, does everyone know who Agrizi is at the moment? It's kind of like the word on everything, okay? So this guy... I, I'm like, I, I'm amazed, okay? So this is like a whole court case going on at the moment for those who are not watching the news, all right? Where there's this particular guy called a greasy who is really spilling the beans. Which is another way for saying, telling everything, singing like a bird. You know, he's, he's just, he's pulling out all the dirty laundry. Come on, how many more have I got? He, he's being, showing the grease. <laughs> you know? Whose palms have been greased? <laughs> a greasy, by a greasy. He's, he's literally, I mean, I am shocked to be reading some of the stuff that he's saying about how, you know, six million a month just in bribes, packing cash into bags, delivering it to all these people and names, names, delivery addresses. It's all coming out. It's all like, it's like, what is going on? Do any of you know why? Anybody of you, any of you know why? He is doing this. Why is he doing this? Three letters. G-O-D. You got it, Malcolm. God. Do you know that he, he actually had a tumor in his heart. He ended up in hospital in a coma, almost died, came out of the coma, and after that made a resolution that he's going to put his life right. Why? Because he didn't want to face judgment with the things that were on him. It's in the newspaper. Go check it out. We forget that. You know, we pray for this country. 
And we pray, Lord, would you expose corruption? And Lord, would you blow the wicked away like the wind blows the chaff away? Would you, would you do something, Lord? He's done it. God has answered our prayers. Hallelujah. Can somebody say amen? Amen. 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 Isn't it great? He's answering our prayers. But what is it about this guy that is making him sing like this? Is It's that he's come face to face with eternity. You see, when you're faced with prophetic revelation, when you're looking at eternity, and you're not just looking at your Ferrari and your house with all its mirrors and whatever, whatever, when you're looking at eternity, it's where you realize how bankrupt you really are. It's, re- it's when you start to look death in the face that you realize that nothing here is going to save you. It's when the thought of coming before a holy God and giving a reckoning for your life that causes you to go back and live right and live purposely, live honestly, live righteously, live generously, live in such a way that the world is a better place when I leave. Why? Because I'm going to that place. We're seeing it unfold in front of our very eyes in the news. Eternity matters. Look at somebody and tell them eternity matters. Whatever your belief is about eternity, whatever your belief is, know this. All of you within the sound of my voice and all those who are listening, know this, that it will be tested. It will be tested. And you will test it with your life. In other words, you, whatever your thought is about it, you will bet your life on it. So whatever that belief is that you have about eternity, it will be tested. And what it will be tested with is the life that you have. You bet your life on it, basically. So you might say, well, I, you know, I believe in... You know, I, well, you might say, I believe in reincarnation, and I believe that, you know, we all come back as this or whatever. That's fine. But know that it will be tested. And it will be tested with your life, and you're betting your life on it. <laughs> I met a guy the other day who, who, who said, you know, I believe. I was like, so what do you believe about this? So he's like, well, I believe that, you know, we're all like these drops of water. And, and then when we die, we like, what happens is we all you know, we go into the soil and then the, all these drops collect together to make this pool of consciousness. This, this basically, it's the mind of God. That's what he said to me. I was like, cool. Cool. Are you willing to bet your life on that? This is just something that you've come up with your imagination. You just read a book. You just, you just heard a song. You just didn't, you know, we're all like this. We're all like that. This is what's going to happen. We're living, da, 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 da. You, whatever you've heard, listen, it'll be tested. And it'll be tested with your life. You're actually literally betting your life on it. And, and, and I'm just like, I'm talking to people who don't believe this, but I'm also going to talk to you guys this morning who do believe this. Is that because sometimes we, we kind of even get into this habit as Christians. It's like we we kind of feel like we're okay. <laughs> like, like, actually, we're fine. Like, this, is, this department's been taken care of in some way. And, and therefore, we can just actually live a little bit more recklessly, a little bit okay, because he's a God of grace, and he'll understand, or whatever. It's like, okay, where did you get that thought from? And are you absolutely certain with it? 
Are you sure about it? Have you tested it in the Scriptures? Is it true? Or are you going to bet your life on it? Sigmund Freud, who wasn't a Christian and um, an atheist, who actually said religion is a delusion or an illusion, he said this, Our cultures do not believe in its own death. It behaves as if it were immortal. But what will one do when ideas fail and words refuse to come? It's impossible not to shudder at the thought. It's impossible not to shudder at the thought. Give me a second. It's impossible not to shudder at the thought. You know, when... These are the words of a man who's not a believer. But when he started to consider it, he shuddered at the thought of it. Why? Well, because 10 out of 10 people die. (laughs) You know, can, can you just do an exercise for me this morning? Can you just click your fingers 10 times this morning? All together. Are you ready? One, two, three. Two, three, four. Five, six, eight, nine, ten. Stop. Ten seconds, 18 people died around the world. In, just in those ten seconds, 18 people left this world and entered into eternity forever, never to come back. 18 people. 1.8 every second. Okay? I don't know how that works. Okay? 1.8 people every second enter into eternity. Your co-workers, your boss, your family members, whatever. We, one thing is we guaranteed is, is that we don't know when we will go to that place. We don't know when they will go to this place. Oh, no, no, this is heavy, okay? It's impossible not to shudder at that thought. It's impossible not to go, you're, that is hectic. But my prayer is this, Lord, don't let me slumber. Don't let me sleep. Don't let me think that this will always be the way it is. Don't let me think that I'll always have the opportunities that I have now. Don't let me think that I can just slack off or relax for just a moment when my last breath could be a breath away. Don't let me fall into the trap of what the world is falling into where everybody's living just for today. Rather, let me be awake and ready for that moment. I've been reading a book in preparation for the series called Voices from the Edge of Eternity. And it records the dying words of men and women and Christian and non-Christian alike. And some of the things that are in that book and some of the last words of these people are scary because they're on their deathbeds and they, some of them die and come back for a little bit and then die again. And, and they speak about things that they've seen and, and heard of and everything. And there's this one atheist who said the following. He said, there's one thing that mars all the pleasures of my life. I'm afraid the Bible is true. If I could only know for certain that death is an eternal sleep, I should be happy. But here is what pierces my soul. If the Bible is true, I'm lost forever. Now you take those words and compare them with the Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 16. Take a look at the scripture. It says, Therefore we do not lose heart or hope. People, can you just look at somebody this morning and say, we do not lose hope. We do not lose hope. All right? We do not lose hope or heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, though outwardly everything is falling apart, he says this, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us 
an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. I want you to see this is written by somebody who's found something. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but what is unseen. Since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. This is a man who's living with eternity in view. And what he's saying is basically, no matter what comes my way in this world, whether I have a good time or a bad time, whether the car works or doesn't, whether whatever, I'm in sickness or in health or whatever, richer, poorer, if I don't become a billionaire, whatever, whatever comes my way, all of it is, 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 is an opportunity for me to grow and, and the glory within me to, to get stronger and for me to get more rewards that side because I'm aiming that side, not this side. I'm looking to that place. How do you want to go through life? How do you want to go through life? You know, this world is trying to say that eternity and the package deal of heaven, hell, justice, mercy, it's a burden. You know, we just got to push that thing off and live for today. I want to rather say this, is that eternity is, or having a correct view of eternity, is one of the most critical values to living a meaningful, purposeful, significant, and beautiful life this side. If you really, you know the world saying this is a burden, don't think about heaven, hell, blah, 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 blah. No, no, no. If you embrace it, if you really think about it, if you really apply your mind to it, if you really start to plunge into the justice of God and how that works and what it, I tell you now, it will enable you to live the most beautiful life the most awesome life, the most freeing life, the most joyful life, significant, meaningful life, this side of eternity. C.S. Lewis agrees with me. He listened to the sermon and he wrote the following. Just kidding. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) More like I read that and wrote this. Now I'm getting busy with life and why are you going on about this? You know, why is this like, you know, why are we going to do this for seven Seven weeks, what, 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 what are you really going for? Well, if that is you this morning, and you can say with assurity that heaven is your home, and that you know that you're going, that's awesome. I want to say to you this morning, is the reason why we're going to do this for the next seven weeks is because escaping hell is not the goal. Amen? That's not the goal. Some of you were led to believe that. You thought, okay, I'm going to become a Christian. I'll escape hell, and I'm out. I'm clean. I'm free. Woohoo! I'm on the other side. That one's tick. I've got my passport to heaven. I've got everything I need. I'm going. It's all okay. Escaping hell is not the goal of the Christian life. How many of you were those type of students that aimed for the pass mark? Come on, I got my hands up, all right. What's the pass mark was always the question I'd ask before exams. <laughs> what, is, what, is the, what is the minimum amount necessary in order to say goodbye to this place? <laughs> that, come on, you're laughing because you, you know what I'm talking about. This is human nature, you know, we... We aim for that, okay? I, wa- I want to say to you, do not apply that principle when it comes to eternity. Do not. Do not apply that principle 
when it comes to eternity. Why? Jesus said this in Matthew 6. He said, do not store up treasures here on earth where moth and rust destroy it and thieves break in and steal, but rather store up treasures where in eternity in heaven where neither moth nor rust nor thieves break in and steal. For where your treasure is, that's where your heart will be. Okay, one thing I take out of that passage of Scripture, which gets me excited, I don't know if it gets you excited, is that we can store up treasures. <laughs> Where in eternity? Just nudge somebody this morning. Come on, I want you to get this. Tell them, tell them this. You can store up treasures in eternity. The way you live now, you can actually, you can pay it forward. You can live in such a way now that you can be rich that side, is what Jesus is saying. And if that is true, then the opposite is true too. You can live now as a Christian in such a way that there's nothing that side. Amen? Doesn't that just make sense? Okay, can I, let me, are you, some of you are like, mm, I don't know. 1 Corinthians 3. Check this out. We can store up treasures in heaven. Some people believe this about heaven, is that when we get there, we're all going to have the same size house or mansion. We're all going to have the same amount of land when we get there on that new earth. (laughs) Hit a sensitive topic, come on. We're all into like my share and I deserve and I should have and who's got and we should all cut this pie up equally, you know. No one have more than anybody else. You know, we have this like communist mindset. Listen, that is not Bible. According to the Bible, you get rewarded according to the labor that you've done. So just if you thought, okay, I'm safe, I'm fine, I've passed 50%, I'm through the gate. Don't be surprised on the other side if there's nothing else there. Okay, and I just, uh, but it's still heaven, Wayne, it's still heaven. Yes, it is. Still heaven. I'm not taking that off the table, okay? It's still eternal life. Okay? But stay with me. Why would Jesus say that if he didn't want us to have stuff that side? In other words, it's more desirable to be that side with some treasure than not. Otherwise, he would never have said that to us. Okay? You still with me? Okay. 1 Corinthians 3. If anyone builds on this foundation, let's read it. If anyone builds on this foundation using gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, or straw, his workmanship will be evident because the day will bring it to light. It will be revealed with fire, and the fire will prove the quality of each man's work. If what he has built survives, he will receive a reward. If it is burned up, he will suffer loss. He himself will be saved, but only as one through the flames. In other words, some of us are happy with the pass mark. We're not going to hell. We're in the gates. But when we arrive there, it's going to be like, Woo! 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 Smoke! coming off you. I made it. 
But there's nothing else. <laughs> Listen, that's how I got through varsity. Woo! Hallelujah. <laughs> All gets burned up. Can you imagine this? Can you imagine living your whole life now, your whole life now, saving up for your retirement? paid your house, your cars, everything, you put a couple bar in the bank, you just, you're fine. And the day you wake up on retirement, at whatever age you are at that moment, there's a fire that burns your house down. And the bank has stolen all your money. And you've got nothing for your retirement. Literally nothing. Every, just imagine somehow, in some way, it's all gone. How do you feel about your retirement? Desperate, forlorn. Listen, that's how some people will experience eternity. Wasted all my time on earth. I was laboring so hard. And then that fire, I don't know what that fire looks like. Okay? I don't know how, what, you know, what that means. Okay? But I know fire burns. <laughs> and it's all gone. The whole 60, 70, 80, 120 years that you lived in this life, but you're in the door. I don't know about you, but I don't want to live like that. I don't want to live like that. Now, it's important just for clarity, you understand this this morning, okay? What you do with the cross determines where you spend eternity. Okay, what you do with this cross determines where, but how you live your life now determines how you will spend eternity. Okay? So just don't, don't get the two mixed up, okay? Let's be happy that we're saved, all right? But how we live now determines how you will spend eternity. So I'm, I, I just feel like we need to be sobered up in this area. Is that okay? Can you just say, this is okay, Wayne? This is actually good for us, amen? Some of you are looking desperately scared. Check this out. 2 Corinthians 5. Can you handle more? Yes. All right, cool. 2 Corinthians 5, 9, 10 says the following. It says, Therefore we make it our aim, whether present or absent, to be well-pleasing to Him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that each one may receive the things done in the body according to what he has done, whether good or bad. You know, a lot of Christians feel like we've escaped judgment. We're in. No, no, no. As a Christian, you won't face the great white throne judgment. And you won't be judged for your sin. Because Jesus took all of that for you. So you have escaped that. But you will appear before the judgment seat of Christ. Where you will be evaluated. That word judgment in the Greek means an investigation. An investigation will be done with your life before the judgment seat of Christ. And you will be, it will be decided about how you lived as a Christian. Which I want to say to you is important. It's important to, to know that, that how we live now as Christians actually will have a moment where we will be judged. We mustn't think for some, some Christians, and I feel like I'm warring here something. I'm warring against something here. We have an idea in our minds 
that it's all going to be okay and we're going to get everything and we'll all have our mansion and everything will be okay. And, and look, there's eternal life and we must be happy with that. But we must not live carelessly now as Christians when we have to stand before the judgment seat of Christ. What will we be judged at at the judgment seat of Christ? Well, a couple things. Four things in particular. Number one, you'll be judged according to your character. The fruit that you produced in your life. The fruits of your character, your Christ-like character. You will be judged according to your gifts and talents and what you did with the resources that God has given you. Did you sit on that gift or did you use that gift? I gave it to you for a reason. You will be asked at the judgment seat of Christ, what did you do with that gift? What did you do with the money that I gave you, the resources that I gave you? You'll be judged, thirdly, according to your calling. The calling, God has a purpose for your life. You, the Bible says that you were predestined to do good works, which he prepared way in advance for you to do. Every single one of us in this room has a unique purpose. What did you do to fulfill your unique purpose that God gave you? If I just got on a plane today and went to the island of Mauritius and put my feet up on the beach, I will be judged according to how many souls I didn't reach in Durban. Because that was my calling. What are you called to? Well, I don't know. Well, you better find out. <laughs> you better start seeking. <laughs> because you will be held accountable for your calling. Firstly, you'll be judged according to how you built or participated in building the kingdom of God on earth. The Bible says that you are fellow workers with Christ. Fellow workers. So Christ is, is building his church but we are fellow workers. We are we're subcontractors, if you like. We're working with Jesus to build his kingdom here on earth. And, and he's going to hold us to account. What did you do to build the kingdom of God while you were on earth? Now, this is not nice, okay? I know. But this is good. Amen? Like, let this get in us, please. Let this, let this we're going to unpack that, okay? I just gave it to you like that, but we're going to unpack that in a whole message for you in the next couple of weeks. We will talk about it more in detail. This is why Paul said this. Not on, in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, Not on your life. It's eternity, eternity, always eternity that undergirds what I do say and the way that I live. That's taken from the Message Bible. It's eternity that what? Undergirds everything that I do. And it wasn't just eternity that Paul was aiming at. He wasn't just aimed at eternity. He was like, eternity drives everything that I do, the way that I live my life. I'm always thinking about eternity. But he wasn't just aiming at eternity. We know from other scriptures that he wasn't just aiming at eternity. He was aiming at something in eternity. He spoke about a prize that's laid up just for him, a crown for him. And he exhorted us in Corinthians 9. He said, run the race so that you receive the prize. Everyone who competes in the games trains with strict discipline. They do it for a crown that is perishable, but we do it for a crown that's imperishable. Therefore, I do not run aimlessly, and I do not fight like I'm beating the air. There was something that in eternity that Paul knew was laid up for him. I, I, I can't go, I can't teach this from Scripture, okay, so this is just me. But I really believe God can show you what He has for you in eternity. I believe that. I believe he can give you a picture to aim at. 
I believe He can give you a crown, something that you, that's laid up for you that you can aim for. If we ask Him, I really believe that. I can't point to it and show it to you other than the scripture where Paul says, there's a crown laid up for me. There's something there for me. I can also look at the scripture where Jesus said, for the joy that was set before Him, He endured the cross. There was something that He could see that side. There was something that He was aiming at that made Him go, in this life, I can do this thing. I can do this. I can go without. I can live restraint. I can live disciplined. I cannot be like the world. I can do what God has called me to do because there's that joy that is set before me. I think we should live like that. Imagine if I said to you this morning, imagine this for a moment, if I said this to you, the next 24 hours of your life, okay, what are we, Hoppers 10, Sunday morning, so Hoppers 10, tomorrow, Monday morning. Okay, this, the, the deal ends. Okay, Hoppers 10 tomorrow morning, the deal ends. Okay, imagine if I said to you, the next 24, how you live in the next 24 hours determines how you'll live for the next 100 years of your life. So what you do now in the next 24 hours determines what you have in the next 100 years. Let me ask you a question. How would you treat the next 24 hours? Would you kind of kick back and say, well, I've got a hundred years still to come? Or would you live in such a way in the next 24 hours that would make sure that you set yourself up for something in the next hundred years of your life? Amen? Do you get that? The Bible says this. It says that your life is like a vapor. (laughs) How encouraging. (laughs) And what it means is basically this. When you look at like the beginning of time to the end of time, and you look at us here in 2019, our life is just, it's like a vapor. There it is, there it is, gone, gone, gone. Okay, our lives are like a vapor. When you take our life span of, what, let's say we live to 120 years, all of us, and you compare it to eternity and how long eternity is, it's nothing. When you take a finite number and you divide it by, an eternal number, a number of infinity, you get zero. In other words, you have zero time. (laughs) What you do with zero time determines how you spend eternal time. That should motivate us people. That should, something inside of us should rise up and say, you know what, I've got to live for there and not here. Jesus said, if you just aim for this life, you could lose that life. But if you aim for that life, you'll not only get that life, but you also get this life too. What an amazing promise. Jim Elliot said this to those words. He read those words in Scripture and he, and he said this, He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to get what he cannot lose. Isn't that powerful? Can you turn to somebody and tell them that this morning? I want that to stick in your head. He is no fool. Tell it to somebody. Gives what he cannot keep. You cannot keep your life. You can do whatever you can. You can have life insurance, medical aid. You can get every sort of comfort around you. You can have robots serving you. You can have de-stress. You can have massages every day. You could do the most amazing diet. You could live in the most livable city in the world. You could, you could do whatever. 
buy all the stuff that there is, but you cannot keep this life. And that's what this Bible is continually telling us, is that we're always investing in this life. We're spending so much energy and time in things that do not matter and do not count on that side. We're laboring so hard here, but we're missing there, and we're going to get through the fire as one escaping the fire. And go, oh, my life didn't count for eternity. I'm here, but I didn't get anything else beyond that. John Tillotson said this, He who provides for this life but takes no care for eternity is wise for a moment but a fool forever. How true. How absolutely true. And so, my encouragement to all of us is as we go through the series, church, let's not just go through another series, but let's let this message come into our hearts and change us. I know a lot of something that what I'm saying this morning is what we know, but there's often a big gap between what we know and how we live. You know, we know, but we live. We know this, but then we live like this. This thought of eternity must come out into our lives in order for us to benefit from the thought of it. <laughs> It's no, if you know the good that you should do and you don't do it, it's actually sin. <laughs> it's counted for nothing. You didn't, you didn't, you're not going to get a prize when, when you get to heaven, okay? And there's that judgment seat of Christ. And you can go, Jesus, I know this psalm. I can quote this Bible verse. I know your knowledge in that moment will, won't count for anything. Your life will count. Your words that you spoke will count. Where the cash went will count. What you did with your time will count. How you labored on the kingdom of God, how you labored on other people's lives, what you did for the poor, what you did for the broken, for the prisoners, what you did for the things that matter in eternity will count in that moment. Can somebody say amen? amen. Let's stand to our feet. I'm done. Um, but you know what? If, if you let truth rub you the right way, truth becomes enjoyable. It becomes enjoyable. If you let it rub you the right way. If you let it rub you the wrong way, it's, it, just, it just becomes hard and difficult all the time. So let this turn you. Let this turn you and let it rub you the right way. Let it motivate you in the right way. Um, there's a couple of years ago, there was a guy uh, called Ivan Lester Maguire. 35 years old, and um, an athlete, and he was actually a, a parachuter, and he was an accomplished parachuter, and he even, even filmed in the air, he had about 800 jumps under his belt, right, jumps out of a plane, that is, okay, so you jump out of a plane 800 times, he was, he was really an experienced instructor, everything, and this one day, he, he actually got a new camera, and he was going up in a plane with a couple friends. It was the third jump in the day. He had already done two in the morning. And he was going to go do another one. And he had this new camera that fitted on his helmet, kind of like a GoPro. And he was going to jump out. His friends were going to jump out the plane. And he jumped out after them to film them. And they jump and they, and they start doing patterns. And, and he's filming them. And he's really excited about his new camera. But there was only one problem. 
is that he forgot to put his parachute on. And that video footage is on Google, actually shows him plummeting to his death. And there's even a moment when he's in the middle of the air and you can see him reach for the cord and find, and he finds it's not there. And you even hear him say, oh no, oh no. And he plummets to his death. And you know, I read that story, I thought, you know, that's just like this generation in so many ways. We're so caught up with the gadgets of life, the shiny things of life, new car, new whatever, new this, new suit, new now, oh, this, this, this thing, this thing is so awesome. And we fail to realize that we're heading at such a speed to a place called eternity. And sometimes, for some people, they reach for something, their belief, their philosophy, their whatever, only to find that it doesn't carry them into safety, doesn't carry them into eternal life. And so, church this morning, I want to give an opportunity for anyone here this morning who, through the preaching of the word, has realized that Man, they they actually need to know for sure that they will live for eternity. And that's how I want to close the service today. If, If there's anybody here and you're not sure if heaven is your home and if you will survive the judgment of God, then the Bible has really good news for you. It has really amazing news. It says this. It says that Jesus came to earth. He lived a perfect life. He went to a cross, and at the cross, he offered to take your sin and my sin, all the things that you've done wrong in your life, and pay the price for it before God so that you could actually escape the judgments of God and enter into eternal life. He said that I have come so that you can have life, eternal life. There's nothing else in this world that will promise you that. There's nothing else in this world that you can grab onto. But if you grab those words of Jesus, I promise you now, you will transfer from death to life. <laughs> I experienced this in my bedroom, I don't know how many years ago, where I saw the flames of hell. And I repented, and he said, I forgive you. And I felt heaven receive me. And I know heaven's my home. I know heaven's my home. I've got eternity in my heart. I know that I'm going there. And I... I don't want anyone to leave here this morning without that, without that saving knowledge of Jesus. If that's you this morning and you would like to make a commitment to Jesus and ask him to come into your life and ask him to forgive you of your sin and ask him to give you the gift of eternal life, then the altar is open here in the front of the church. You're welcome to slip out of your seat, come down to the front and we'll pray with you And you'll leave here a new person today. This is what church is all about. (laughs) Helping people prepare for eternity. So I'm going to give you a little moment, just a moment. If that's you this morning, come slip out of your chair. Slip out of your seat. Come down to the front. And we'll pray for you. your name this morning Lord I pray that heaven will be so real to us make it more real to us Jesus 
make eternity more real to us. Lord, let this thought, let this message penetrate our being. Change us, Lord. And we become driven by eternity. Thank you for tuning in. For more messages like these and other resources, you can visit our website at endurban.org. Remember to subscribe to our podcast channel to stay up to date with the latest sermon. Be blessed.